Good morning. Psalm 145 speaks of the Lord's goodness and his tender mercy over all of his works. And so I want to invite you guys to stand this morning and let's sing of that together. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now, I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me in all my days. I've been held in your hand from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Sing all my life. the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest nights. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness Every breath. 
Good morning. It's good to see everyone in here, all the whole crew, all kids and parents and everybody. Hey, kids, do you all know what today is? New Year's Eve, exactly. So that means tomorrow. What's tomorrow? A new year. That's right. 2024 starts tomorrow. And do you know what that means? That's right, insurance deductibles start over. That's right. I heard the kids say that. That is excellent. Yep. No, new year means new beginnings, right? And we get to start uh, thinking about, all right, what's this new year going to be like? One of the things, you hear it every week. We talk about it every week. Uh, we come to Christ one at a time, but we grow together. We grow in community. And so we want to give the adults, some things that you can think about uh, as you think about growing together this next year. So take a peek at this slide. So men's morning, last year we did men's morning every week as a large group and then split into small groups. We, our goal with our, our men's uh, small groups, or our men's ministry is really to get guys in relationships, truth relationships and accountability in small groups. And so we use the large group to uh, to pretty much send guys into small groups. So we're going to step back and just do our large group once a month, and we're going to focus on equipping, and that will be um, on January 10th, the second Wednesday of January, February, March, and April. What we're going to focus on in January is how to take conversations from casual to meaningful to Jesus conversations. And so if that's interesting to you, uh, come and join us for Men's Morning, 6.30 in the other building uh, on January 10th. The cohort. So if you're, one of your goals for next year is to grow in biblical knowledge and just try to understand the story of Scripture, how to understand even the small sections of Scripture, this cohort would be for you. So they'll meet uh, every week and go through all the training center curriculum. So panorama of the Bible. Um, Bible study methods, our faith, which is theology, and uh, they'll, they'll watch the videos online and then get together each uh, week to talk about it. And so check that out on our website or on the app. Uh, if you're new, our first step, highly recommend is Discover Fellowship. That's an eight-week um, process where you start out in a large group, and then the last six weeks you're in small groups and encourage you to jump into Discover Fellowship. That starts Sunday, January 21st. Last thing is women's studies. That date is actually wrong. They start on Tuesday, January 23rd. And so 
If you're interested in a morning or an evening women's small group um, on Tuesdays, uh, look into that website or the app. So uh, would you all stand up and say hi to your neighbor and greet one another and talk about what your insurance deductible is?
Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And anyone who, loses, who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now, my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, good morning. You guys can have a seat. So excited to be here with you this morning. Uh, my name is Danny Sullivan. I'm on staff here at Fellowship. Um, I'm usually over in the children's wing working with our third through sixth graders. Um, but excited to be here this morning. Uh, let me pray real quick, and we'll get in. Father, we love you, and we thank you for this opportunity to be in your church, um, to worship you. Lord, I pray that you'd speak through me this morning to edify this body, to build your kingdom, and uh, in those things to bring glory to your name. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Where did 2023 go? The new year begins tomorrow on a Monday. I kind of appreciate that. I know there are a lot of perspectives on the new year. Some see January 1st as a fresh start, a clean slate, a great opportunity to begin something new, and other people see it as just another day. That's all right. For my family, last year, we needed January 1st, to be a fresh start. Because a few months before the new year, we experienced a major blessing, but also a disruption in our daily rhythms. Haley gave birth to our second son, Jordan Monroe, on September 22nd, 2022. And although our family had been gifted with this precious new life, we found ourselves disoriented after the first few months with our second child. So over Christmas break, we looked ahead to the start of the new year, to January 1st, and saw that day as a type of beacon in the cloudiness of life. It was a lighthouse on the shore of a fresh start, sending forth rays of hope into the disorienting gloom that had become our daily lived experience. A little dramatic? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I share that because I think an experience, a human experience that we all share or all will share to a varying degree, 
is the day we wake up and realize things are not as they should be. We wake up and we think, how did I get here? What am I doing? Something has to change. And when we come to that place, our future hinges on how we reorient our lives. A few years ago, I was asked to staff a survival camp, mainly because of my robust resume of survival experience, and only partly because very few people were willing to volunteer a week teaching high schoolers how to survive in the wilderness of South Dakota. So while I was staffing this survival camp, I was also learning how to survive. And one of the greatest lessons I learned then um, was how to orient a map and compass. I was blindly led into the middle of the woods and asked to pinpoint my location on the map. Being from Florida, I never had any use for a topographical map, so I had no idea what I was looking at, what I was doing. But I learned how to read the contour lines and how to visualize my landscape. And th this is actually the, the map that I learned how to read on. And once I was able to visualize my landscape, identify landmarks around me, identify a primary landmark, identify a secondary landmark, I was able to estimate my location on the map and then orient my compass and plot my way back to camp. So on January 1st of this year, 2023, after months of disruption that led to disorientation, our family reoriented ourselves on the map of life with Jesus as our primary landmark and other mature followers of Jesus as our secondary landmark. And from there, we plotted a course for the new year. And as our family plotted that course to follow Jesus into 2023, the Lord put a phrase in my mind that I knew was going to act or work as a form of compass for my year. The phrase was this, there is no life without death. Now, I've had a year to meditate on this word from God, and I feel I've only just begun to scratch the surface um, of its meaning and application. But this is the phrase that I want us to reflect on this morning. There's no life without death. Now, if that sounds confusing, it's because this phrase is a paradox. Kids, can you say the word paradox? Well done. And read this with me, this definition of what a paradox is. A paradox is a statement that seems to go against common sense, but may still be true. So here's some other paradoxical statements that we're probably familiar with that are in the Bible. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I know there are a few kids in here, maybe some adults too, who, who feel like this one really does go against common sense. Because there's nothing better than opening gifts on Christmas morning, right? And getting everything you wanted on your list. In my experience as a father, though, there truly is nothing better than watching my kids enjoy the gifts that Haley and I give to them. So do we understand what a paradox is? A statement that seems to go against common sense, but may still be true. Sometimes it takes a bit of work 
to uncover the truth and application of these statements. So with our paradox this morning, there's no life without death, we're going to really analyze it to discover the truth within it. And these are the questions that I've had for this paradox this year. Okay, this is true. What kind of death produces life? What kind of life then results from death? And how, how, how do we die to live? Can you guess what passage of Scripture this truth is found in? If you guessed E, all of the above, you would be correct. Uh, this is a teaching that is found in all four Gospels, um, a teaching from Jesus. But this morning, we're going to look at John 12. And I'll read this for us one more time. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. At first, these verses almost sound like three different unrelated sentences, but I think Jesus means for them all to work together. So let's take one verse at a time. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. The first thing I notice about this teaching is that Jesus uses an agricultural metaphor which his disciples would be very familiar with. If the advent of Jesus Christ would have taken place in Bentonville in 1990, then Jesus would be teaching in metaphors about mountain biking and business leadership today. That's how familiar his disciples were with the cyclical nature of sowing and reaping a harvest of wheat. But because of the historical and economic distance between us and the disciples, we have to do a little bit of work to grasp the meaning of what Jesus is saying. So he's saying that a single seed, something seemingly insignificant by itself on its own, holds within it the potential to actually radically change people's lives. So you can't make a loaf of bread with one kernel of wheat, but that one kernel of wheat can be turned into a hundred loaves of bread. So how does one seed turn into many loaves? How does one life turn into an abundance of life? Only when that seed gives up its life on the stock, it falls to the ground, dies and is buried, does it have the chance to become what it truly was meant to be. Go to verse 25. Jesus says, anyone who loves their life will lose it. Well, anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. In session two of personal Bible study, one of Fellowship's training center classes, you learn to use the acronym CREEP. CREEP stands for commands, rebukes, exhortations, exaggerations, and promises. And you look for those things in the scriptures. In verse 25, Jesus uses an exaggeration when he says anyone who hates their life or anyone who loves their life 
I think uh, what he's talking about is anyone who holds tightly to their life will lose it. And anyone who is willing to let go of or surrender their life will keep it. And I think in this progression of verses from 24 and 25 and 26, that Jesus is moving from metaphor in verse 24 to generality here in verse 25. And next, in verse 26, he gets really specific. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. On the surface, this passage may just read like a barrage of metaphors, but Jesus is a master teacher. And here he brilliantly gets specific and down to the point after piquing his disciples' curiosity and priming their hearts to receive this critical truth about their soon-to-be next steps as his apprentices. He moves from kernel, a seed, to any person, to you, my follower. If you serve me, you must follow me. Make no mistake, if you claim me as your teacher, you must do the things I do. And when you follow me by doing the things I do, you will have eternal life. You will be where I am. He moves from a seed producing a crop to eternal life to life with him. And here's the part that really gets me. This is not just a metaphor for the follower of Jesus. This is actually a metaphor of Jesus. The two verses on either side of this passage. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Jesus frames this passage with a prediction of his own death and exaltation. The beauty of God made flesh, Jesus Christ, the living word, is that when he commands his followers to do something, he is not asking us to do anything that he hasn't already done himself, tenfold. And on top of leading by example, he promises to share the life and glory that God the Father bestows on him with anyone who's willing to follow the path that he has paved. So let's answer these three questions for the paradox of life that we're pulling out of this teaching. What kind of death produces life? Looking at the example of Jesus, we can see surrender and submission to the Father. How is Jesus' path, and therefore ours, similar to that of a kernel of wheat? The seed starts on the stalk, an exalted place above the earth. But then, it must let go or surrender its position and fall to the ground and submit itself to the elements, dying in the process and being buried. Likewise, Jesus surrendered his exalted position in heaven with the Father to come down to earth 
in human likeness, in dying, submitting to the Father's will, providing new life for the whole world. And we must let go of or die to our own way of life, surrender and submit to Jesus' way of life. Which leads us to our second question. What kind of life results from death? Well, Jesus says eternal life. See, Jesus gets more specific in the progression of verses that we saw. So he mentions eternal life in verse 24, but how does that get more specific in verse 26? The promise of Jesus moves from eternal life to life with him. You will be where I am. Life with Jesus, friendship with Jesus forever. All right, kids or parents, did you know that your kids are learning about this every single week in preschool place? So if you're in here and you're usually in preschool place, kids, I need your help. Or preschool place leaders, I need your help. Let's say this together if you know it. This book is the Bible. We love the Bible because it's full of God's stories. And everything in it is true. It tells us how he loves us, how God made us, and that Jesus wants to be our friend forever. Great job, guys. Great job, leaders. Well done. Our kids say that every week. They always start their class time saying this, that Jesus wants to be our friend forever. Eternal life is a concept that's understandably hard to wrap our minds around. One of the ways that I've come to think of it is said so well by the pastor and author, John Mark Homer. He says, Many people think eternal life refers to a quantity of life after death. But for the New Testament writers, it also meant a quality of life that starts now for the apprentice of Jesus. Eternal life is not just something that awaits us on the other side of physical death. It's actually a spiritual reality that affects us the very moment that we surrender and submit our lives to King Jesus. And Jesus' kingdom, quality of life, is not measured in dollars, in possessions, in status, or even physical health. In Jesus' kingdom, quality of life is love, joy, and peace. Quality of life in Jesus' kingdom is a person. We just celebrated in Advent the hope, the love, the joy, the peace of Christ. So how do we die to live? How do we die to receive this life with Jesus? What is our path? How do we surrender and submit to the Father like Jesus did in order to enter into this life with Jesus? Eugene Peterson wrote a book called The Jesus Way, and in it he said something that has truly helped me connect the dots of Christianity. Peterson said, The Jesus Way, wedded to the Jesus truth, brings about the Jesus life. As followers of Jesus, 
we have to equally emphasize and apply the way of Jesus, his lifestyle, the things that he did, and the truth of Jesus, his words and his teachings, in order to experience his life. To call back to my opening story, the way and truth of Jesus is our primary landmark when plotting our course on the map of life. They are a fixed location that help us reorient our lives back in step with God the Father. Now before we wrap up, I want us to take a moment to reflect on those two questions. What kind of death results? What kind of what kind of death produces life and what kind of life results from death? And we'll sing a song and then I'll come back up here and finish. But I want us to to physically move our bodies into a position or a posture of submission and surrender. Because sometimes it takes moving our bodies into that position before our hearts can follow. So we're going to sing this song, and let's reflect and let's pray, and let's ask God, what does surrender and submission look like for me in this season? And Jesus, is there an abundance of life that you're inviting me into? 2024. Let's reflect on those questions. Oh, my waking breath, oh, my daily bread, I depend on you. I depend on you. Oh, the sun to rise, oh, my sleep at night, I depend on you, I depend on you, you're the way, the truth, and
Church, can I, can I challenge you to do something every day in 2024? Start every day with those words. Jesus, good morning. I surrender all. What kind of life would be on the other side of that heart and this year? Hey, our second landmark on the map of life is other mature followers of Jesus, like the brothers and sisters in this room who encourage you to follow the truth and the ways of Jesus in your home, in your workplace, 
in your everyday lives. Also, followers of Jesus, like the great men and women of the Bible. I love to spend a second reflecting on the teaching series that we've been through all year. You guys remember kicking off 2023 with our Esther and Daniel series? I remember sitting over here when Doug Rains taught us uh, on Esther chapter 4 and the transformation that Esther experienced. Over the summer, we were in a series called Rhythms, where we talked about spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines. And the last week, Seth Prim did a recap of what those looked like. And, and this one, this slide, I printed out and it hangs above my desk. And I'd love for you guys to think about the people in your life who do a really good job at creating space with God, connecting and loving God. Who are those people in your life? Lean into those relationships this year. Speaking of relationships, Abel Schaefer taught us in week four in this series, Give Your Life Away, which we started this fall. And I love this slide, these shifts towards the good life. And you can see some of the parallels from this slide and what we've been talking about today. Embracing difficulty, sounds like death. Surrendering, investing in eternity. And we just wrapped up Philippians. And I just gotta, I just gotta say that the series art, the slides, the workbooks this year have been some of the most beautiful, inspiring, worshipful companion guides and resources that I've ever seen with teaching series and Bible studies. And I just got to say, Justin Craning, our whole media resourcing team, thank you guys for using your gifts to edify this body. We love and appreciate all that you guys do. Now, I don't think there was a better parallel this year to there is no life without death then I, when I was sitting over here earlier this fall listening to Hunter House talk us through Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes it out so clearly in chapter 2, the example of Christ, his mindset and his actions and how that very spirit of surrender and humility should be and can be inside of us. What a rich year of studying God's word together. Now, I'd like to end by reading an excerpt from this book. I read this last January. It's called Apprenticeship with Jesus, Learning to Live Like the Master, written by Gary Moon. It's a 30-day devotional and practice experience that I was led through by a mentor of mine, and I want to share this piece because, like most metaphors of Jesus, the idea that he's a landmark for us it's just not a complete picture of our relationship with him. So I hope this story rounds out this teaching by reminding ourselves that Jesus isn't just somebody that we look to to get on the right path, but that he is a God that we walk with on this journey of life. One morning, while half the sun was still sleeping, I was sitting on our back porch. I had closed my eyes to be less distracted from the peaceful sounds of the small river that babbles behind our house on its way to the savannah. In my imagination, I pictured myself standing in the river, facing Jesus. 
the water was hitting us about waist level. It was a beautiful day. I asked Jesus if he would mind baptizing me. In my daydream, he eagerly complied. And as he held me under the water, I imagined that all darkness inside, all the sin and separation was being washed from me. It traveled downstream as he spoke. That's gone now. It's in the past. Let go of everything in the past. I continued to stand in the river looking into the eyes of Jesus. Then I asked him, what about the future? How do I keep from being distracted by what I need to do by the rest of this day, tomorrow, and the next? He looked upstream, and I followed his gaze. And then he said, the future is all upstream, but you don't have to swim to get to it. It's on its way right now. Just stay here with me until it arrives. When it does, we'll deal with it together. We'll deal with life together. When we surrender control of our life and submit to God, our Heavenly Father, in return, we get to deal with life together with Jesus. I can't think of any better thought heading into the new year than the idea of dealing with whatever comes my way, knowing that Jesus is right by my side. And I'm so excited that we get to celebrate that profession of faith in two lives this morning, the life of Mason Henry and Darian Keefe and their baptisms. celebrate baptism as we are obedient to Christ's calling in our life. And this is an outward declaration of what has happened already in Darian's heart. A death occurred to self, and then she gets to experience life through Christ. And I'd love to welcome Angie Zimmerman, who will So good morning. This is my friend, Darian Keefe. And in a moment, we get to experience her baptism with her. But before that, she asked if I would share a few life events that have led her to put her faith in Jesus. And so she asked if I would read her testimony. And so these are Darian's words. At the age of 21, I had open-heart surgery. While lying on the operating table, I flatlined. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be standing here today. After that event, I sensed God saying, I'm not done with you yet. A couple of years later, I learned that my mom had stage 4 cancer. I took care of my mom during her battle, and after she passed away, I resented God. I didn't understand why he would take someone away that I love. 
Before she lost her battle with cancer, my mom had been a teacher in the school district. After she passed away, I prayed and sensed God reassuring me that he still had plans for me. Shortly after that, I found an amazing job as an adventure club teacher in the district. It felt as if God was letting me follow in my mom's footsteps. Through my job, God has brought some amazing people into my life who have pointed me to Jesus, like Mr. Timothy, Miss Megan, Arteria, and Sabrina. My friend Sabrina invited me to church one day, and now here I am, surrounded by my family of faith, ready to declare my faith in Jesus and follow him. Darian, in your heart, have you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes, sir. It is our privilege then to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So take a seat here. I'd like to welcome Mason Henry's family to come on up. And as they come forward, share a little bit about Mason. Mason met uh, with me about a month ago. Really amazing story in his life. He uh, was raised in a Christian home. And came to the realization that the Lord had been with him through thick and thin, through all the situations in his life. In an amazing journey to uh, what he thought was to get lunch at Chick-fil-A, turned into uh, an amazing filling presence of the Lord with he and his mom, which drew him to the Lord. And Mason came to talk to me about his friends and the path that they were taking, and that didn't line up with what he now experienced of his walk with the Lord. He told me he'd want to have a life following the Lord and trusting him always. So he's here today to publicly declare he is fully committing his life to Jesus. So Mason, do you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life? Yes, sir. Amen. Come on, have a seat. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's a pleasure for us to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Buried in likeness to his death. And raised in newness of life. Yeah. Hey, you guys want to stand with me? Let's celebrate this.
Amen. Can we just give him praise for that? This is me in our gathering. Hey, I'm so glad you guys came. You stuck it out with the kids. We did it. Okay, so I hope you're leaving this and feeling accomplished because tomorrow is a new year and I'm excited to see what God is gonna do. If you need prayer, we have a prayer team to my right that would love to spend time with you. If you need to connect with somebody, there's a booth out in the, uh, the lobby. We'd love to connect with you. I love you guys. We'll see you next week.